welcome to the Clyde Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Clyde, and I'm so glad you hopped on today. I feel like I'm handing you a gift today because I was so blessed by this podcast when I got to sit down with Candy West. She is a lead pastor, a recording artist, an author, a teacher, an entrepreneur. There's so many things that she unpacked for us. She is a preacher woman at heart. She has a powerful voice. She's, you know, was just voted in as one of the top black female pastors and influencers of the year. She's an amazing woman and had so much to share with us. I promise you that you will walk away from this podcast being filled with hope and joy and more and more faith than you had when you first pressed play on it. So check out this conversation I had with Candy. Candy, I have been looking forward to this podcast ever since we booked it with you. You, I mean, there's a long list of things to say about you, but you're a recording artist, an author, a teacher, an entrepreneur. You're talked about as an amazing, impactful black influencer, a lead pastor. I mean, there's so much stuff to say about you. I just figured maybe we could start with how did, how did God call you into this work of being in ministry? Well, I grew up in a ministry family, grew up in my grandfather's church. He was a bishop in the Church of God in Christ, which is a predominantly black uh, denomination, Pentecostal denomination. And growing up in my grandfather's church, my mom was the choir director, an amazing singer, vocalist. Um, So I grew up in a a family of ministers and preachers and singers. So I was always exposed to ministry. Now, I thought ministry for me was going to look like touring and traveling, singing the gospel. But Hmm. God had a different plan in mind. And it would get to the point when I would sing and minister, people would say, you preach when you sing. And I'm like, I can't help that. Um, And then I just began to tap into uh, the ministry gift in me um, with my love for the word. Like I have, I love the word of God. Like I have such, such a deep affinity for the word of God. And I begin to realize like there's something more here and it's not, I'm not just a singer. I am more. And um, I have to begin to tap into it. So I began to realize more and more because of my love for the word of God and how people would always, you know, pull on me for insight or wisdom or what are your thoughts on this or me being able to share what the Lord shared with me during my study time. I realized that there was a gift that I was tapping into that would soon evolve to something greater than I could even fathom. Hmm. I love that piece of your story so much because you say that kind of the confirmation of community spoke into your life and said, you preach when you sing, almost like yes. it surprised you, like you had in mind a path and God had in mind an even bigger path. Yes. And I think when you're, when you talk about that, I think about people who are listening, who maybe have an idea of what they think thought they would do and they're not there. And sometimes we can try to fit kind of like a round peg in a square hole sort of an idea when it's not that God doesn't have big dreams for us. It's that he has even bigger dreams for us. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. even with that, what's your encouragement to people who you know, you started to believe I am more. And I think sometimes women can think I'm less and not be open to the idea that they're actually more. What's your encouragement for women who are in that spot? 
Wow. For any woman that is listening and you are toiling with the idea of being more for for some of you, you might think being more is more responsibility. I don't I don't want to think about being able to handle anything else. So sometimes you're not willing to explore other things or greater things because you feel like you don't have the bandwidth. But you can do all things through Christ. That gives you strength. If there is something else that God is calling you to, God would never call you to anything that he doesn't have the power to equip you to do. He'll give you the knowledge. He'll give you the resources. He'll send the help. And so if there's anyone that's listening, that's, you know, even contending with the idea of, I feel like there's more in me. I just don't know how to tap into it. Well, my encouragement would be to begin to pray, ask God, what are those things that he sees for you? Those things that he foreknew that you would tap into long before you even had an idea. Begin to pray about those things and then follow your passions as well. Follow your passions outside of your regular schedule, your normal schedule, that thing that's in your heart, that thing that you think about, that thing that you don't even want to utter sometimes because it seems impossible. Follow the path to your passion. Sometimes your passions will lead you to that next level in your life as well. Hmm. You know, you can just preach and I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm so excited for you to come to our conference next year. I love that you just start digging in. Question, when you talk about tapping in, you realize that you are more and there was this thing in you that you didn't realize you have, that you're this, this preacher woman and you started tapping into that. Do you ever look back and think, man, what if I wouldn't have listened to that? What if I wouldn't have listened to the confirmation of community? What if I wouldn't have listened to the Holy Spirit and I wouldn't have tapped into that? Do you ever wonder what your life would look like now? Absolutely. I actually wonder, Willow, what my life would look like had I tapped in earlier because I ran from the idea because the idea for me wasn't what my idea was for my life. I never really saw myself leading a church as a single black female, right? Because in our community, it's, it's, I'm an anomaly, you know, I'm an anomaly in my community. So I, it was, I gave God my conditions, right? Like, okay, God, if I'm going to, you know, I can do the preacher thing. You know, I can, I can do that. I love your word. So I can communicate your word, but to pastor a church, I had my conditions. I was like, God, I'll pastor, but I want to do it with a husband. You know, I'll co-pastor with my husband. He can lead and I could just be the help me. You know, I could just be the, the, the support system, the one that, that, that can, you know, do vision and do kingdom with him, but I don't want to do it by myself Mm -hmm. because it's already hard enough uh, to be a a female in ministry. So to be a black female in ministry that is not married is even the odds are like stacking up. Right. But the moment that I began to remove my conditions, God began to show me that it's not as hard to access as it seems. And had I removed my conditions five years ago, I do wonder what my life would be now. Had I started my journey a little earlier. 
Hmm. That's such a good word. I mean, the idea and the challenge of removing our conditions because we can live years of our life discontent because we know we're not doing what we're made to do. And yet we're the ones that are kind of putting obstacles up in the way of the Lord's move through our lives. Yes, we get in the way sometimes. God is like, I have so many amazing things for you, but you because you can't see past yourself. You can't see past your fears. You can't see past your abilities. You can't see past your limitations. You really can't see that all things are possible through me. And so a lot of times God just, he's just waiting, you know, because he's not going to force purpose on you. Purpose is always there and available for you to access, but Mm -hmm. God waits on us to get in alignment and agreement with it because there's, you know, we can't toggle with God when it comes to things like that. And so a lot of times it's like, we have to see past ourselves to really see God in, in that thing that he's calling us to. Hmm. So good. You bring up being a single black female. And I had on my list of questions I want to ask you, what obstacles did you face as a single black female? Because I think um, for so many people who are listening to you or who might look at you now or look at your influence and look at the platforms you're on, they see that and they don't see all of the hard work and the sacrifice and the suffering and the obstacles that felt like they could take you down at any second. And yet you fought through those and saw the Lord show up in those. So what were some of those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even from being in the music industry to um, going into ministry, uh, church-related ministry, um, it's it feels like sometimes you have to work twice as hard just to be accepted and, and, and get the approval of man, you know, uh, like I said, being a single black female is one thing, but being a single black female doing ministry in any regard is, is difficult because there, there are challenges. People are going to look like they're going to look at your pedigree. They're going to look at your education. You know, do you have degrees and do you have that? And it's like, I have a calling, you know, I, you know, it's like, so there's so many things that will combat your, um, combat your confirmation or affirm who you are, you know, well, what about this? Or what about that? Even in me being selected to be the lead pastor of the church that I'm now leading, um, there was a lot of conversation around me being a single black female leading a church in the city of Huntsville, Alabama. Alabama's, you know, the South is a Bible belt, you know, so you have, you know, a lot of denominations that are very uh, uh, male-driven, predominantly male-driven, male-dominated. So to be a single Black female leading a church, um, the challenges were, you know, will men respect you? Will will the men, once you take over the church, will the men stay? You know, will they honor you as a single woman? Will they honor you as a woman? Will they listen to you? And I've actually found that I have a very strong male support system in my church. And it's not because the men are attracted to me. Let me just make that clear. It's not because, you know, they're low key trying to slide in. No, they really are very honorable, like sons and brothers, you know, father figures in my church that are very supportive. So I think sometimes people have their own 
idea and ideology of what's going to work for a person. But if, again, it goes back to if you remove yourself out of it and if you see God in it, if God called a person to a thing, you've got to know that he's qualified them to do it. And even if they don't have all the pieces, sometimes he has to awaken the pieces in them. And so even in that, even in being challenged with, you know, will you be able to lead men? You know what? Will your church survive because they're used to men leading them? Um, sometimes it's just in the proof. The proof is in the work. The proof is in uh, my ability to keep going and to forge uh, this path and, and blaze this trail and pioneer in this way. And so a lot of times the naysayers or the doubt, if this is going to work, can only be proven in the work. Like you have to release a person, let them do it. It's like children, right? It's like, you know, your child has an ability. You've taught them certain things and you know uh, that they're good at a thing. And it's like, but I have to eventually take the training wheels off for her. I have to take the training wheels off for my son. I've taught him how to, you know, steer and balance. And eventually I have to trust that he can ride that bike without those training wheels. And that's what it's like. Um, that's the best way that I can explain it. Like at some point, Somebody had to take the training wheels off for me and say, let's see if you can balance this on your own without the help and support and me being afraid that you're going to fall because you might fall and scratch your knee. But it comes along with riding a bike, you know, mm -hmm. um, so those are just some of the things that I experienced. When when you had this this calling and you clearly do and you're on this path and you faced obstacles along the way and had, you know, people question you and people judge you and, you know, had moments where you felt like you had to prove yourself. Who were the people that you looked to that were your biggest inspiration along the way? Oh, man, I would say. um people that I could actually call outside of God because <laughs> there are a lot of tears and a lot of journaling. Okay. Um, but my God mom, um, Rose McKinney, I got to shout her out. She may hear this or may not, but I just have to let her name be known. She was really a saving grace for me, even as it relates to who I have become in ministry. A lot of my time with her was her teaching me of the power of intercession and prayer and prophecy and reading, studying the word of God. Um, and I have to really give her some credit for my spiritual development. So when I would go through certain seasons of indecision or frustration with transition and not knowing what's next, uncertainty, she would be one of the first persons that I would call because she was always a voice of reason. One of the things she would do, she wouldn't, she would not coddle me just because I was crying. You know, she would say, okay, what is the Lord saying? She would always redirect me past my feelings to what is God saying about this? You may be frustrated. You may feel like this is working against you, but we know all things work. So let's see what is it about this that God may be using to strengthen something in you. And so huh. she would always redirect me and guide me. So she's been a pillar in my life as it relates to having someone to go to. My sister, my, my baby sister, my best friend, she's also a person. Well, of course, we all grew up in the same household and everything. Her journey is a little bit different. She's an amazing background singer and artist. She does a lot of pop traveling and uh, singing with R&B artists and pop singers. Um, but 
she's like my voice of reason as well. She kind of, she sees my humanity. <laughs> like, okay, so the woman in you, let's talk about her, you know? So how are you? She's always going to check me in those things. So I have those safe places that I can go and just be, that'll still build me up, will help me see the truth. Even if there are flaws in my ways, that'll, you know, tap me on the shoulder and be like, okay, that's you. That's you. So let's get that together. And just places that would be hard on me, but yet loving enough to help me pick back up and keep going. Hmm. I love that your beginning of your list of people who inspired you aren't people you've never met or famous people, which people often say, but you're actually you know, talking about everyday heroes, the people who hold people like you up so that you can do what God's called you to do. Absolutely. And anyone can be like Rose and redirect people back to what the Lord's doing. Like we can all do that for each other. What a beautiful thing you have in her that we can all be like Rose and your sister who reminds you you're human and your life matters and your feelings matter and who you are as a human being matters, not just who you are as a pastor and, and, you know, all the other things that you do. That's so beautiful that those are the two examples you gave. You you. do so much, not only pastor, but you also are a gospel recording artist and you've done a lot of work with Kirk Franklin. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that because not very many people can say that in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I actually got my start many, many, many moons ago. I'm not sure if you remember uh, the choir, God's Property. It was a song called Stomp. It was, I mean, it was all the rave uh, late Mm nineties. But I got my start with Kirk through God's Property. And when he produced that album on us from there, Um, Because I was one of the singers, one of the few singers that was kind of like one of the standout singers that would lead songs and, you know, help to do arrangements and all of that. And so from there, Kirk kind of picked me out the bunch and wanted me to travel with him and be one of his background singers. And um, at that time, it was Kirk Franklin and the family, um, you know, now Behold the Lamb, Reason Why I Sing. And this is before you know, uh, the rebirth of Kirk Franklin and the Kirk Franklin that we know today as a gospel music legend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got my start there traveling and singing and touring the world with him, recording with him. Um, and it just kind of budded from that and just other opportunities begin to sprout and blossom from my work that I was doing with Kirk Franklin. And so um, it's it's been an amazing journey with him throughout the years. And uh, it's so amazing because full circle moment, he recently came and preached at my church. Uh, oh, wow. I know, right? Crazy. I never would have imagined, you know, when I was 20, 21, that 20 plus years later, Kirk Franklin would actually come to the church where I'm pastoring and preach to my congregation. It was an absolutely beautiful full circle moment. Wow. Super cool. I'm definitely going to go looking for, there has to be a music video of, of Stomp from back in the day. Yes. And there I is. is. <laughs> thriving in your nineties. In, in the nineties. I mean, um, early twenties, uh, when that video came out was 1997, uh, I want to say 97. And, um, yeah, I was like 20, 
1920 when that came out. So many, many years ago, I don't mind dating myself because the Lord has been good. Um, (laughs) He's been good. He's good. He's He's a preserver. I'm a Kirk Franklin fan and I'm going to see him this summer with Maverick City Music and I'm I'm so excited. I can hardly contain myself. I hope you'll show up on the stage. That'd be fun. Oh, that would be great. I'm actually going to go see them. They'll be in Birmingham next week. So we're going to go see them in Birmingham, Alabama next week. That's awesome. That's awesome. I have to ask you because not very many people have that experience where they're traveling the world. Uh making music and performing with people on large stages on an international level. How did you keep yourself in check to not make it about you becoming famous, but making Jesus famous? Like, how did you keep that sort of, because there's a temptation there, I'm sure, to kind of chase that rabbit of fame and and becoming known and becoming a celebrity, and yet you're singing about God. How, how did you navigate that world? It's very difficult. I'm not going to tell any lies to you, Willa, (laughs) to the collide audience. It's very hard because if you know anything about music industry, entertainment industry, it is very self-driven. It is very vain. You know, it's full of vanity. It's full of look at me. You have to look the part and you have to sound the part. So there's a lot of focus on yourself. And even in the gospel music industry, CCM, I mean, they all go through identity things and self-preservation things and, you know, the challenges with taking the focus off of you because when labels sign you, they want you to do this and they're putting the focus on you. Although, you know, you're a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know that you're an ambassador for the kingdom of God, but yet there, there are all of these demands on how you look, how you sound, what is your, you know, your body, your dress, your this, your that, your hair, your look, your teeth, your eyes. And there's so much focus on yourself. And it's, you know, it is a, um, it's a sobering moment to stop and say, okay, God, with outside of all of these natural demands, what is it that you are requiring of me? I had a, a moment like that many years ago, and I was working on a project and um, I was working on some music for myself. And at that time, I was, you know, praying while I'm recording and, you know, going through seasons of prayer and praying about the particular project that I was working on. And I had these demands on God, right? Like, Lord, I want you to give me favor with radio. And Lord, you know, I would like my song to be, you know, in the top 10 and number one on Billboard. And I'd like you to bless my music and all the seats that I've sown behind Kirk and Fred Hammond and you know, all of these artists and all of these projects that I've done, I want that same kind of favor. I want the same kind of fervor. And I was just bombarding God for the things that I wanted to make me look good. And I'll never forget. I got so convicted one morning in prayer. Holy Spirit said to me, but you never asked me what I wanted. Hmm. You never asked me what I wanted. And tears Tears just begin to flow from my eyes because I got so convicted that I was bombarding God with all the things that I wanted, all the things that I thought would make me feel good, make me look good, make me feel like all the things that I had done for others would be worth it. And God, and God convicted me in that moment and said, but you never asked me what I wanted. And that changed even how I began to pray when I would go to God in prayer. 
God, what is it that you want? There are, heart, there are things that my heart's desire, but I, I really want what you want. I want what I want to align with what you want. And so that really, it convicted me. It shifted me and converted me. And it was a sobering moment for me to begin to take the focus off of myself. Yes, I'm very, it was just embedded in me, right? You're going to look the part. It's just, you know, I'm going to do the hair. I'm going to do the makeup. I'm going to make sure my clothes are, it was just embedded in me years and years and years ago when we were kids preparing for moments like this. So it's second nature to me. It's not even the focus, but now it's more so, God, I want you to get the glory. I want you to get the glory. And if, if if you'll use all this other natural stuff to do it, cool. But if it's just the heart that you want, which I, that's mainly what he wants, then Father, I want my heart to be so postured, so pure, so right, that you can get the glory out of my gift, whether I'm singing, I'm preaching, I'm serving, I'm teaching, loving, whatever capacity you want to use me. I always want to take the focus off of me and I want you to shine brighter. I want you to shine bigger. I want you to shine greater than me. Hmm. Powerful story. Lord, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? It's good. Yeah. We believe that God has something special in store for your life. Do you need some help discerning next steps in your calling or wishing that God could do something big with your life, but you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're tired, overwhelmed, or burned out and need some encouragement and inspiration to get back up. Whatever season or life phase you're in, we've got an incredible online course called Women of Impact that will equip and empower you with tools to fully live out your purpose in this life. This course comes with over 70 teaching sessions taught by over 50 incredible women and features topics like discerning direction, dreams and vision, health for a purpose, impact in every chapter, and more. You'll also get beautifully designed journals and incredible resource lists. This course was created for women on the go, meaning you can access it anytime, anywhere, on any device. Now is the time to get inspired and equipped to make an impact with your life. This robust course is available for only $149. You can learn more or register by going to wecollide.net forward slash women of impact. You wrote a book called Work to Wait. Love the play on words there. Can you tell us more about where where you go in that book? Yes. So the book is called Work the Wait, and it's being productive while waiting on the promises of God. I wrote this book because I had to live it. (laughs) (laughs) I had to live this book before I released this book. But this book really is a tool of encouragement to help people navigate waiting seasons. Because whether we like it or not, we're all either getting ready to go into a waiting season, we're in the midst of a waiting season, or we're on the cusp of breaking out of a waiting season. And this book is a tool of encouragement to help people um, believe God and trust God to know what to do while you're waiting, because waiting seasons are not inactive seasons. Hmm. Waiting seasons are still seasons of preparation. How are you preparing for what you're praying for? How are you preparing for what you're believing God for? If it's a job, if it's a promotion, if it's a husband, if it's a child, whatever it may be, how are you preparing 
for that. You know, we all have things that we're believing God to do in our lives or believing God to use us in a certain capacity or way, whether it's through a business or a ministry endeavor. But while you're waiting on God to give you answers and strategy, how are you preparing? Are you writing the vision and make it plain? Are you researching what it takes? Do you know, you know, does it require a 501c3 or do you need an LLC? What kind of research are you putting into this desire? If it's, you know, you're looking to be a future parent, you know, what kind of parent do you want to be? What does it take? You know, what, how do you want to rear your child? How do you want to raise them? You know, what kind of schooling? Because your child is going to grow up and go to school. Do you want them to go to private school? What kind of path neighbor, what neighborhood do you live in that will help to accommodate your desires to raise and rear your child in a way? So waiting seasons are seasons for preparation while we're waiting on God to reveal what we've been waiting for. Hmm. I love this so much because in the work that we do around here with women, you know, we see all sorts of women and their different reasons for waiting and seasons. And it's so easy for us, I think, to get stuck in waiting and it almost paralyzes us. Like you mentioned to this place of inaction, like we're not where we want to be and we're waiting for God to almost wave a magic wand or drop something out of the sky to sort of get us to a new season and and we just sort of it's almost like we're frozen and we Mm -hmm. don't move what are some things that you found that help people move out of that kind of stuck place one of the things that I think will help people navigate when they feel stuck or when they're in waiting seasons and they don't know what to expect um one of the things that I when I'm mentoring and I'm, I'm, you know, talking to people, women, men, all walks of life about how they feel stuck while they're waiting or they're believing God for a certain thing. One of the things I try to encourage them to do is while they have expectation, trust God to do it the way he wants to do it. Because sometimes we are stuck, not because We don't have a way out or a way through or a way to the next. Sometimes we're stuck at disappointment because God didn't do it and respond the way we wanted him to. I prayed for this, but you gave me that instead. I prayed for this and you didn't give it to me at all. You know, I prayed for this and my loved one still passed away. I prayed for this and I still met devastation or disappointment in this. And so sometimes we get stuck and disappointment because God didn't do it the way that we wanted him to. One of the things that I would encourage anyone that's listening to me, you're in that place. One of the things that I would encourage you to do is um, even begin to release and relieve yourself from that level of disappointment. Maybe I didn't ask right. Maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't ask for the right thing or ask, maybe I didn't approach God the right way. Maybe I did something that caused him to respond to me in that way. God is not cruel. He's a sovereign God. And a lot of times we, he does things that we may not understand. So release yourself from the disappointment of maybe I did something to make God respond to me that way because sometimes we get stuck in that, right? Sometimes we get stuck in that. And sometimes we're simply stuck because we don't want to fulfill what we know the requirement would take for us to get to that 
thing or to see the manifestation of that thing, I know it's going to require me to really put some work in it. So I'll be stuck in my comfort because I like it here. It doesn't require for me to do anything. It doesn't require for me to uh, change my schedule and change my norm. Like I like my norm. Some of us don't like change. So sometimes we get stuck in comfort because we don't like change. Although we're praying for change, we desire change. We want to see something different. We want to see ourselves in a different place, you know, by this time next year. But it's hard to shake that comfort off. So sometimes we get stuck there. And then sometimes it's just simple fear. Fear of the unknown, because you can't control or calculate all the things that will happen in response to your movement. But you've got to trust that God has your steps calculated. Your steps are ordered by God. And as you go, as you move, and even if you feel like you're going blindly, God will always guide you right to the proper destination at the right time. Absolutely. I'm thinking about, we talk a lot around here, obviously we're called Collide, and we talk about collisions with Jesus when you see Him collide with people in the New Testament and what happens, and we center around that all the time. And you're making me think of of the story where Jesus collides with a man who's been paralyzed, and he's waiting by the waters to heal him, right? Because there's this superstition that the stirring of the waters will heal him. And Jesus shows up on a scene, and He says, in the most profound question you could probably allow God to ask you, do you want to get well? And this guy doesn't actually answer the question, but then he goes on to talk about how everyone gets down to the waters before him. And what is so fascinating to me about this collision with Jesus is that the healer is standing right in front of him, but he's so, he's so hyper-focused and fixated that the water's are the thing that's going to heal him. And you're talking about this, this idea of when we have an expectation, we don't make room for God to do what only God can do because we're so hyper-focused on the thing that we think is going to get us out of this season and usher in the next one. Yes, that's one of one of my fa- I have so many favorite passages. My my church laughs at me all the time because I'm always like, that's my favorite passage of scripture. <laughs> but John chapter five, when it talks about activating your faith, activate what is your faith in? Is your faith in the pool or is your faith in the miracle? the miracle that I can do something that I have never done before. Even if it takes me seeing past, like you said, the collision with Jesus. So you're so uh, fixated on the pool being the tool. The mm. pool was never the tool. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. The pool was never the tool. It was hearing the voice of the master activate you when Jesus asked him that rhetorical question because he already knew the answer, right? He already knew that the man wanted to be well, but that question to him was for him to begin to really think, Do I? how bad do I really want this? Do I want it bad enough to do something that I have never done? And when he began to give Jesus all of his conditions, well, you know, you know, whenever the water's trouble, you know, there's no one here to throw me in. And Jesus is saying to him at this very moment, I hear your conditions, but what I'm telling you at this very moment, you have the ability now to ignite your faith to the degree, to the degree where you can do something that nobody at this pool has ever seen. Hmm. 
but it's going to require you to do something. And you've got to give the proper response. I don't want to hear your excuses. I want to hear your faith. Hmm. You want to be well. The question should, the answer should have been yes. Because Jesus' solution would have always been, then pick up your mat and walk. That was always going to be the the activation. That Uh was always going to be the plan. But the man at the pool of Bethesda didn't have the right response. He began to give God all his conditions, all his excuses. Why? And Jesus said, yeah, I'm really not concerned about that. I'm really concerned about, do you want it? You do? Okay. Pick up your mat. And when you read the scripture, he immediately responds and then say, well, I just, can somebody help me? Can somebody pick pick my hand and pull me up? The man does what Jesus said he could do. Pick up your mat. That was a demand. Pick up your mat. That was a mandate. Pick up your mat. That was an answer. It was a solution to the mm-hmm. sickness, to the problem. Absolutely. And it required the kind of faith that decided to actually move. And you yes. write an entire book about work the way. You know, the idea that you don't just sit around and hope a miracle shows up to you without engaging, without participating, without moving. Yes. It's so powerful. Absolutely. Every miracle, Willow, that was performed, especially in the New Testament, when Jesus is doing his ministry, every miracle that was performed, even in the Bible, it required for someone to do something. It always required for the person that needed the miracle to do something. Even if you go back to when Elijah met with the widow that said, you know, they were in the famine, right? After Elijah comes from the book, from the brook, after the brook dries up and he goes to the widow's house. She says, well, all I have, you know, we're about to die. It's a famine. All I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And he says, well, make, make me, make me a cake first and then make one for you and your son. It required for her to do something. Every miracle, anytime we're looking for God to do a thing, it requires for us to do a thing too. Hmm. And it may not require physical activity. It may simply require belief. Belief. You have to believe. You have to believe. You have to have faith. Hmm. Yeah. You, you say, and I love that you say this, don't focus on the limitations, focus on the possibilities. I, I want to hear from you. What's an indicator for someone that they might be focusing, uh, repetitively on limitations in their life and how can they shift to focus on possibilities? Absolutely. I think I alluded to this earlier, but when you think about you know, you have a particular task or a goal or a particular um, uh, expected end or destination or thing that purpose that you're pursuing in your life. If you are looking at what's in your bank account, if you're looking at um, your resources, your money, your resources, what you can do after God has given you this big vision, this big idea, this big thing, God always, he always proceeds a vision with provision. So if God has given you a vision, if God has given you a call, if he's given you a mandate to do a particular thing, it may be a charity organization. It may be a nonprofit, whatever it may be, God will always provide 
for the very vision that he has given you. So you may be looking at, well, I don't, you know, I'm not very privy to that particular field and I feel a call to that field. Well, don't look at what you, your limitations, look beyond your limitations and then begin to ask God to say, what is, what is available for me to tap into that will move me past where my capacity is. Cause that's a whole nother word, right? It's not just your limitations, but it's also your capacity. It's mm-hmm. what am I able to hold? What's my bandwidth? And the more that you begin to trust God and you begin to pursue God to say, father, you're taking me into the unknown. This is very unfamiliar. Um, I'm nervous about this new job. I'm nervous about this new season. I'm nervous about this change, this transition in my life, but I know that you are with me. So show me not only in your word, but show me where I'm missing the resources around me that I can tap into. What's inside of me that needs to awaken, that will rise up in me and that will help to expand my capacity? Where do I need to prioritize? Because I've been holding on to some things and making some things that are not as important and making them priorities in my life. And even some things that people are putting on me because everything that's important is not a priority. Huh. Wow. <laughs> everything that's important. It's not a priority. So then you have to start looking at those things as well. How do I need to reorganize my life for the season that I'm in? Because what worked for me three years ago may not work for me now. I'm going into a new field. So the things that I was able to dominate in the field and the career I came from, I may be able to take some of my leadership strategies from there, but I can't take the same methods um, that I use to grow as a person. It may require something different. So you have to look at what is this requiring of me that's beyond what I feel like I'm currently capable to do. You know, when I think about somebody that works out, right? You want to uh, go to the gym to lose weight or you want to build muscle. You may go to the gym and you see those muscle men lifting 150 pound, you know, barbells and dumbbells. And it's like, oh my God, I can never do that. But if you get with the right trainer and you follow the instruction that the trainer gives you, you too will be able to lift that weight. I'm a living witness. I did training last year with a trainer and she really focused on weight training with me. Now I'm trying to lose weight. She's trying to build muscle. I don't understand how this <laughs> right? And so she's doing heavy lifting with me and I did not understand why. But the more I did the training with her, I saw that it was causing me to build muscle and I was leaning out but she would add more weight every week, Willow. I did not understand how I was able to lift. At one point, I lifted 150 pounds. Wow. Some people have a struggle with lifting half their body weight. But I went one particular session. And from then she said, you're stronger than you think. A lot of times it's mind over matter for us. We're a lot stronger than we think. The Bible says greater is he that is within you. Then he that is in the world, which means there, there is an untapped source inside of you that you just have not tapped into that gives you the capacity to do those things that you feel like you have limitations in. Hmm. Such a good word. Candy, it is said of you this. Candy West is nothing short of a direct contributor to the evolution and sound of the modern day gospel. That's a huge compliment. And I'm wondering how you would define the gospel and 
how do you consider uh, or what do you consider is your high responsibility in sharing this good news? Well, oh, that that is a very strong compliment, <laughs> a very, very strong compliment that I humbly submit to. Um, I think one of one of the things that keeps me um, humbly submitted to that is that I, I understand that I am here for a purpose. I understand that God has assigned me to this, this earth for such a time as this to leave an impact, to help expand his kingdom. It's not just so I can get married, have children and live in a, in, in a beautiful home and, you know, be able to go on vacations and brunch with my girlfriends. That's not what this life is about. This life and my purpose on earth is to be a voice and a mouthpiece for God and to help expand the kingdom of God on earth so that we can all um, experience the joys of the kingdom of heaven. And it's again, for me, it's, it's something that I don't take lightly. Um, I, I, there, there are so many different levels and diversities to my gift, even as it relates to teaching and preaching, I can do this and then I can, you know, I can, I can, I can scream and yell and, and proclaim it very strong and very powerful with a good growl and a good roar. I can roar and I can purr, right? <laughs> I can roar and I can purr. But for me, it is, I know that I have, and I understand now more and more that I have an assignment and that my time on earth, is just not for me to live a good life. But my time on earth is so that I can also use what God has done for me to help multiply the kingdom, to show people the revelation of God through healing, through rescue, through restoration, through deliverance, um, through salvation. And, you know, salvation is just so much more than just being saved and being able to say that I'm a believer. But one of the beautiful things that I teach our ministers in training, that there are three motifs of salvation, not just the justification part and, and the conversion and all of that, but it's the rescue of salvation. It's the renewal of salvation. It's the restor it's the restoration of salvation. Salvation was purposed to restore us back to God, mm -hmm. to restore our hearts and our lives and our wills back to God and to be a woman that has experienced the rescue of salvation, the renewal of salvation, the renewal of salvation that took me from a blemish and a colored past mistakes in my past, being an imperfect being, a person that doesn't feel worthy half of the time to be used by God. But the renewal of salvation says, because Jesus gave it, he gave his life for you, even in the midst of your imperfections, before your mother knew your name, before your father laid eyes on you, he gave his life for you so that even when you would find yourself in a pit, even when there would be downfalls and shortcomings, salvation renews you at the moment of repentance and saying, God, I'm sorry. I wasn't myself. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. I did it when you told me not to. And God says, that's where renewal is. And so my responsibility is to, um, 
communicate that to Mm -hmm. others so that they don't feel the condemnation of their past, the condemnation of the divorce, the condemnation of the abortion, the condemnation of the sex, the condemnation of the addiction, the condemnation of the lies and the gossip and all the things, the hurt, the abuse. They don't feel the condemnation of that, but they actually feel the heart of the rescue, renewal and restoration of Jesus Christ through salvation. That's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's my heart. Hmm. That's my why. Candy, I am so grateful that you said yes to God's assignment that he's handed you and you're being so faithful to it. I'm so grateful that you said yes to the more that you knew was in you and God is using you in amazing ways. And I'm very grateful that you're coming to speak and preach at a conference next school year for us. We are so very excited. I know that women are going to hear this podcast and want to connect with you beforehand, you know, your social handles, your book, all the things. So how can they do that? Absolutely. You can connect with me by going to candywest.com. Click and subscribe to the email list. I promise you, I have some amazing things coming down the pipeline that I would love for you all to get connected to. You can also follow me on social media on Instagram at the Candy West, T-H-E-C-A-N-D-Y-W-E-S-T. That's where I spend most of my time on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. You can follow my YouTube page. I'm getting ready to do a huge launch for my YouTube page, and that's Candy West Live on YouTube and on Facebook as well. So I have all kinds of places where you can find me and stay up with my comings, my goings, my beings, and my doings. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Candy, thank you so much for hanging out today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Willow, and much love to you all at Collide. I am so excited to be coming to you all for the conference next year. And I just really sense that God is going to be a powerful, amazing move of God. Amen to that. We'll see you in the Pacific Northwest soon. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Friend, I promised you before this podcast episode started that it would feel like I was handing you a gift. I I hope that is how you feel. It was such a joy to hear Candy's story of the way that the Lord confirmed in her an even bigger calling and an even bigger dream than she had imagined for herself. And I, I don't know about you, but I loved that part in her story where she shared that she realized that she's more she she realized there was more for her that God had for her life. And she tapped into what that was and leaned into it. And what what a message for us. If you're feeling like there's more inside of you, my hope is that you'll lean into that and that you'll tap into a very powerful and personal God who will speak to you about what that more in you is, what that feeling is telling you. And, you know, her challenge, you know, from her book, Work the Wait, is not to sit around and wait for the next season or the next thing to come to you. But how are you preparing 
I love the story where she was traveling on all these big stages and had all these privileges and opportunities as far as the music world goes. And the Lord convicted her and said, you never asked what I wanted. What a challenge for us today to leave this podcast and say, Lord, what do you want? What dreams do you have for my life? It's when we lean into God. His dreams are so much bigger than we can ask or even imagine. And when we lean into His dreams for our lives, boy, do they unfold in beautiful and amazing ways. My hope today is that you will not only be encouraged, but that you will move in the ways that the Lord is calling you to move in your life. And if you loved hearing from Candy, make sure that you hop on and grab conference tickets. She's coming to uh, a Clyde conference in 2023, and it's going to be an amazing and inspiring experience to sit under her teaching. I hope that you'll keep colliding, friend. And that you'll know that the more in you that you feel is given to you by God because He wants to unfold beautiful, amazing, powerful dreams in your life. Keep colliding and we'll catch you next week.